Tonight, I, I was going to say, we're going to do a bit of a brain workout. So you might, at the end of this, you might feel like you've been to the gym because I want to challenge some mindsets and stuff and get you to think uh, maybe some different things. But actually, I think that there's even a more significant level than just challenging thinking. I reckon tonight uh, that we're going to challenge some, not just mindsets, but some principalities and powers and some spiritual strongholds over our understanding. So um, can I... I, um, can I be really provocative? So can I can I tell you that we're gonna some stuff that I'm gonna talk about tonight. There's a there's a spiritual stronghold that's gonna despise what I'm talking about, and so you're gonna feel that come. And so I'm and so one of the principles of spiritual warfare is we come in the opposite spirit. And so just bear with me. I want to I want to challenge you um, to. Honor the word of God. So not I'm not talking about honoring me, but here's when you when I put something up and this this thing's gonna come and just despise it. I want you to look and go, is that the word of God? I want to honor the word of God. Not me, not my message. I could get it wrong, but I want you to come in an opposite spirit that honors the word of God. And it's gonna challenge a mindset that you live under here. So we're gonna do some brain work, but we're also gonna do some spiritual warfare work. Is that okay? Because um, I want to see you break free into something. And it's around the theme of enlargement. And um, I don't know, if, how many people went to X conference? A few people. I'm just going to repeat a bit of stuff I did there around some images. Because I don't know if you know, Jesus spent a lot of time. He didn't tell us a lot of concepts about what we should do. But he spent a lot of time giving us pictures to think through. And he basically says, if you thought about church like this, what would it look like? How would you think differently about doing stuff? How would you think about what it's all about? And he invites us to think through these things. So I want to particularly talk about a couple of pictures that I believe are key to, to getting a uh, a breakthrough around enlargement. The idea that we're called to be a city on a hill and that their idea that we're called to be a wedding banquet. And, and can I tell you that that challenges everything about the mindset and the spiritual principalities and powers that you live under in this place. And so something in you will react to that. And, and I want to challenge you to dig deep and go, is that, where in that is the word of God though, and, and is it actually the truth? And maybe some people, man, that reaction is not just uh, a, a human thing. That I want to break through because I actually want to honor the Word of God. And this is what the Word of God says. So um, we'll see if this is going to work, shall we? Let me better turn it on first. That would help. Okay, so Matthew, um, Jesus gives this famous passage. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light in all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that may see your good work. They may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus on the one hand says, hey, yeah, um, you're like a little light on a, on, a, on a stand in your little house. You know, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. That is true. That is a wonderful, truthful part of the gospel. You have a light that you're called to shine in your world. Amen? That's wonderful. But the other side is put it, you are a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. There's something about bigness. There's something about influence. There's something about capacity. And both of those... Uh, are dynamics of the kingdom. 
And, and if we want to be in enlargement, something has got to go to acknowledge, you know, I'm more comfortable with this kind of false humility around this. I'm just, I'm just a humble little, I'm just called to let my little light shine. And that's half the gospel. But the other half of the gospel is, do you know what? Jesus has called this church, this house, to be a city on a hill. And, and, and something reacts around that. And, and, but that's half the gospel. And, and, and can you actually, like, remember what I said? I want you to dig deep. And can something in you honor that as the Word of God? Even though everything in your culture, everything in our background and context reacts against that, um, that's the Word of God. We're called to be a city on a hill. You know, I love the message translation of it. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this as public as a city on a hill. Who finds himself reacting? <laughs> Reacting against that? No, that's the word of God, that God is wanting something of a public demonstration. Yeah, he wants a whole lot of little lights in each little part of the city shining their light, but he's actually calling for something of, of capacity, of scale, of impact and influence, and, and something of a Kiwi kind of false humility robs us of honoring this side of God's word that he's looking for that kind of scale. You know, some of the, when you think about a city on a hill, it's like, yeah, man, it's like all these are little houses where someone's got their little light shining. But somehow when you put them all together, there's a presence, there's a beauty, there's a scale, there's an impact of, of a whole lot of little lights all shining together. Um, you know, this guy, when you think about something like that, Jesus is going, that's a picture of what I'm about. Yeah, I'm about in each little home, and each little classroom, and each little workplace, you standing with your little light. But he's saying, imagine when we put those all together and collectively the impact that we have. You know, and, and when you put that then on a hill, the, the sense of it standing out, the sense of it being visible, the sense of it just being, just, I don't can you start to pick it up like, man, yeah, we honor that each little person doing their stuff, but there's another side of the gospel of, of Jesus' strategy. And then if you think about it at night when there's no street lights and whatever, and, and it just starts shining out with light, imagine walking through the, the countryside, no street lights, whatever, and you're walking towards a city on a hill shining with a whole lot of lights. Jesus goes, that's what I'm talking about. See, is that part of how you think about what we're called to do? Is that part of how you think about what Equippers Dunedin is called to do? We're called to have that kind of visibility, that kind of presence, that kind of influence and scale and impact. Again, I want to challenge you. Just Can something in you rise up and honor the Word of God that says, Jesus, I get what you're talking about? You know, um, and and again, it's like, oh yeah, they didn't have streetlights or whatever. So it was, it was actually the sum total of all these individual lights. But when they came together, they shine out with an impact so much greater. And it's like, God, is that something of what you're calling us to as Dunedin equippers? And he goes, well, that's what my word says. Just honor my word. Yeah, I've called you to be a city on a hill. 
Um, you know, and so some of the commentaries, and again, you'll see if you feel yourself reacting to this. To build a city on a hill is a piece of assertiveness. It expresses a certain confidence and a claim to importance. And flags a desire on the part of the inhabitants to play a wider role in human affairs. People who want to live a quiet and secluded life build their cities tucked out of sight in the hope that they won't be noticed. Who feels a stretch like, ooh, that's out of my comfort zone? To assert a role, to assert, to feel confident about a wider presence. That, that, that's out of a lot of our comfort zone, but that's the Word of God. That's the purpose of Jesus. That's what He's on about because He, he wants to do good. You know, later on, the same commentary. And they, these are not hyped up Pentecostals. These are boring, dry academic commentaries, okay? Um, so the challenge is to live out in the public arena what one is intrinsically. Yeah, it's not enough just to hide away and do my little thing. We are called to put this out publicly, to have a presence. You know, that to which Jesus calls is neither private nor to be ghettoized in the Christian community. That's the image. Oh, we've got this, but let's just keep it under a little stand and let's not let, let's hope no one really notices. Jesus is going, you don't do that with a light. You put it out there. And I'm like a city, not just a city, but a city on a hill that shines out in the darkness with a light. So everyone all around can see there's the light. That's where I need to go. You know, oh, the outcome is to be that people are impressed by what God is currently doing. How many, oh, that's uncomfortable. No, the Word of God. Honor the Word of God. You know, another commentary, the purpose of a lamp is to give light, and thus it is placed upon a stand. It's like this thing's going public. Uh, Another one, I love this one, the combined, this is a challenge. The combined impact of the many lights which make up a town at night illustrates more appropriately than the single lamp of verse 15, the corporate effect of the disciple community on the surrounding darkness. Did you get, again, this is, not, this is boring academic commentary, illustrates more appropriately. Yes, I'm called to shine my little light. But when all those little lights assemble together and come out and stand up together, Jesus goes, that is what I'm talking about. A city on a hill, a presence, a capacity, a scale, an influence, an impact. And, and so when I think about a city on a hill, and again, I said Jesus doesn't teach a lot of concepts. He gives us a picture. These are the things that strike me. It's something about our, it's a collective thing, isn't it? It's a whole lot of little, like, all together has a presence. You know, there's something about being visible, about being prominent. There's a complexity to it. You think about my little light and my little home's one thing, but then you're putting houses together, streets. There's organization. There's complexity to this thing. There's uh, vitality in life, there's creativity, but above all, there's impact. It shapes the culture, and, there's, and the influence extends over a wide area. Are you ready to honor the Word of God tonight that says, I'm calling you to be a city on a hill? And, and I, I believe we need, I'm going to unpack it a bit more. There's this false humility that says, no, I'm just humble. I'm just so humble. I'm just going to let my little light shine. That's half the gospel. And, and the very, there's a seductive uh, religious delusion 
that's actually blinding us to the other side of the gospel, the Word of God that says, I am calling you to be a city on a hill. My strategy to reach the need is to raise up a city on a hill. And so I, I really, I, my challenge is resist this thing that despises, I'm going to unpack this a bit, but that despises this language of bigness, of capacity, of influence, of enlargement, and instead honors the Word of God that says, God, I honor your call on my life to be part of something that impacts a city. And, and I refuse to buy into that spirit that would despise this kind of language. We're going to do some serious business tonight, okay? Because uh, we're going to see this breakthrough. You know, so I love this. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. You know, one of the other images that feeds into this is the image of the kingdom of God as a party, or particularly this, the kingdom of God or the church, as a banquet and specifically as a wedding banquet. Anyone like going to wedding receptions? I do. Yeah, and I love observing them because anyone been to one where it's not well thought through? Yeah, like generally nice people who maybe went to one a while ago, they're like the first time they've catered. For, I particularly think about the catering. You know, they're nice people. They've done little family, but they haven't thought through the scale of it. And so they're all flustered because, you know, because you know how you sit at tables, but then there's a big long line and stuff. Whereas people have thought it through the scale of it when, you know, you're sitting at all your tables, so you have the intimacy of the table, but then there's like... You know, they say, well, this table's going to go up there, and then this table, and maybe there's a couple of lines. They've just thought through, there's a bigness about the concept of a wedding banquet. You know, it's much, a lot of us are more comfortable with the intimacy of a little dinner for two or four. But the image of a wedding banquet kind of calls us into something bigger. And Jesus is going, I've called you to model something of, a, of this is... The king has, is putting on a wedding banquet for his son. And we're like the people called to represent that to Dunedin. And what would that mean if I thought through that? Let me show you. You know, if you think about what would it mean for the church to, if we, if we really thought we are called to be a wedding banquet, this is the kind of image we're supposed to be presenting to Dunedin. And, you know, it's there in Scripture. Jesus spoke to them again in parables. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. Wow, that's what we're called to be in Dunedin. We're called to represent the king as throwing a wedding banquet for his son. And our job is to put on and host and be the waiters and the, and the entertainment and, the, and, and create the environment where people get to experience what that's like. How cool is that? It's not a, like an intimate little family dinner or something. It's a wedding banquet for the son of the king. Um, you know, there's lots of passage. It's an image from Isaiah on this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all people, the banquet of aged wine. You know, this is, when you think about what's this business of the kingdom, what's this big business of church? We're called to, to be a party. We're called to be a banquet. We're called to be the wedding banquet of the son, of the king. We're hosting a royal wedding banquet in Dunedin. 
He wants a hope. He wants, I don't know what, I've been, we used to be missionaries in uh, the Philippines and so, like, down in the south and Muslim area, like wedding is like a thousand people there. I mean, friends from Fiji, wedding is like 500 people. It's not like the little Kiwi, like 80 people or something. There's a bigness to the idea. The whole village is coming. The whole town is coming. Because depending on the importance of who's being married, and this is a wedding banquet for the son of the king. You know, one of the, it's interesting in the Gospel of John, the first story that he wants to tell of a miracle is of a wedding that took place. And there's a problem. They have no more wine. They hadn't thought through the scale. And there's a shame and there's an embarrassment because they hadn't thought through the scale of what they were called to do. See, there's a, do you start to see there's a capacity, there's a scale to this thing. No, no, if I'm just hosting a little family dinner, I just need, you know, one bottle of grape juice or something. But if I'm putting on a wedding, I've got to be thinking in terms of expansion, of capacity, of scalability. I'm, I'm, I'm not allowed to just go, well, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Or I'm, I, I'm just like the little familiar intimacy of my little group. No, the good thing about a wedding banquet when it's done well, you have the both end. You have the intimacy of your table, but you have the bigness of scalability and capacity. You're called to scalability. You're called to capacity. You're called to enlarged vision. Otherwise, you've only got half the gospel. And it's the half that our culture, you know, so Jesus Six jars, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. He'll go, oh, yeah, let's just sort this out. I'll just make 180 gallons of the best wine. See, he's thinking scale. He's thinking size. He's thinking capacity. And, and the, the account finishes. This was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory. It's like for the Gospel of John, John wants, do you get what Jesus is about? He's throwing a wedding banquet. How dare you limit him by small-mindedness, by control, by what's comfortable for you and not represent the bigness of a God who's throwing a wedding banquet for his son for this city. And we're called to represent that. Um, so when you start to think about what, what would it mean for Dunedin equippers, if we thought one of our dominant things, yeah, we're called to be at a city on a hill, but we're also called to be a wedding banquet for the son of the king. And, and I just want to talk about three things that I think are, will be marks of that. Positivity, creativity, and capacity. Okay, so positivity. I mean, who wants to go to a wedding banquet and have the MC kind of, oh, God, I'm so depressed, you know, don't really want to be here. It's like wedding bank was like, isn't it great that we get together together for this special day? And there's just an energy and there's an enthusiasm about it because you're celebrating. Uh, you're celebrating love. You're celebrating family. You're celebrating. And it's like, I don't know if any of you have done the strength finder personality stuff, but one of the strengths they talk about is positivity. Have a listen to this. This is the definition. You are generous with praise, quick to smile, always on the lookout for the positive in the situation. Some call you lighthearted. Others just wish their glass was as full as yours seems to be. But either way, people want to be around you. 
Their world looks better around you because your enthusiasm is contagious. Lacking your energy and optimism, some find their world drab with repetition or worse, heavy with pressure. You seem to find a way to lighten their spirit. You inject drama into every project. You celebrate every achievement. You find ways to make everything more exciting and more vital. How many people react and despise that? That's interesting. See, our our Kiwi culture doesn't do well with that. Aussies and Americans do far better than Kiwis and Brits around this positive energy of celebration. I mean, for goodness sake, we our national colour is black. You know, (laughs) I've talked about this. You know, if you have a national symbol, you have like a lion or an eagle. We have this semi-blind, flightless thing that lives in holes and eats leaf litter. I mean, the positive side of it, unpretentious, unassuming, the dark side of it is we, we react and we despise bigness, brightness, capacity, enlargement, celebration. This very series of enlargement is a direct challenge to the dark side of Kiwi uh, mindset and, a, and the dark side of Dunedin mindset and the need and principalities and powers. It's a redeeming of that part of the kingdom. You know, some cynics may reject your energy, but you are really dragged down. Your positivity won't allow it. Somehow you can't quite escape your conviction that it is good to be alive, that work can be fun, that no matter what the setbacks, one must never lose one's sense of humor. We are called to be the wedding banquet for the son of the king. Wedding banquets are fun places to be. I love this. People strong in the positivity theme have an enthusiasm that's contagious. They're upbeat. They can get others excited about what they're going to do. Can I I be a little bit offensive? How dare you despise positive enthusiasm for God and God's house? The second, it's a positive, it's creativity. It's like, oh, I'm, you know, boring. Well, there's a plate of Marmite sandwiches over there if anyone's hungry, you know, help yourself. It's like, that's not what you do at a wedding banquet. You know, there's a whole, all kinds of dishes and stuff, and there's people taking care to make it all look good, and there's variety, and there's just color and light. And, you know, it's great in Exodus when they're designing the tabernacle, you know, Lord filled this guy with the Spirit of God and gave him all kinds of understanding to make artistic designs. The Holy Spirit inspires creativity, inspires vitality, inspires that wow factor. Uh, Again, how many just react? I just despise that as hype. You know, I love um, the thing of, I don't know if you ever thought about God's creation. Like if you give God the mandate, create mammals, he comes up with those kind of things. And then he adds kind of these. All with the one brief of mammals. Is that it? Yeah, we'll go back. Like, how dare you represent a boring God? You know, he just loves thinking outside the square. He loves creativity. You know, the mandate, make things to fly. He comes on three variations, birds, bats, and insects. He loves creativity. He loves diversity. He loves variety. He loves color. We're called to be a wedding banquet for the sun. 
be a place that's not only uh, positive, but a place that has creativity and color and has a wow factor to it. Again, how many react against that and despise that? Um, I'm being provocative. And so when the Spirit comes, He'll start giving dreams and visions and you'll see things and you'll think of things that are creative and diverse and, and all kinds of possibilities that, that we could do. Um, can I just... Uh, how, many, how many have heard of Cindy Jacobs? She's a prophet, kind of. About 15 years ago, she had a prophetic word for our movement of churches. She said, God's going to raise up this generation of young firebrands, young kind of youth, and those are the people now leading churches and stuff. And it was a true prophetic word. And then uh, I think last year, some leaders uh, from our movement were at a conference she was at, and they went up to her and said, you know, we just want you to know this word that you brought has happened. You know, this whole generation of the Sam Monks and the Jordans and the Willie and Desiree, they are all the people of that generation. They went to her and said, your word, what you, your word that you prophesied has come true. And she looked at them and said, the next move that's going to happen is going to be amongst the children. And, you know, and that's a, that's a word to our movement. And so, I don't know if you know, in Auckland Equippers, did you, Pastor Helen Monk at 65 has taken over the Children's Church of Auckland Equippers. I looked over at the kids over here at the start of the service, and I just felt God say, that's pivotal. You know, and that's been a word to our movement. Expect to see life and vitality and creativity coming amongst a move amongst the children, because God's breaking out amongst that. You know, but, um, but here's the thing I really want to challenge. The marks of the kingdom, yeah, there's positivity, there's creativity. But overall, there's this thing of capacity. That's the thing. You know, my background started off in youth work. It used to be interesting. You know, people remember a, a big camp that had like a 1,000 young people. And someone said, oh, we should go for this walk. There's this good swing bridge. And the guy, the wise old head said, not me, I was young then. The wise old head said, so one person's allowed to cross at a time. It takes one minute to cross. There's 1,200 young people. How long is it going to take us to get everyone across? It's like people didn't think capacity. They didn't think scale. You know, I don't know if you've ever been to conferences where there's, I've been to some like there's 1,000 people and they have one registration desk. You know, it's like, did you do the maths? You're taking one minute per person. There's a thousand people here. We're gonna, the conference is going to be over before we get registered. And it's kind of, that's the thing I love about wedding banquet mindset. It's like, hey, you, this is your table of six and, you know, take photos and have a fun night. But actually we've organized this and there's, there's a waiter looking after these five tables and you'll get your food from that side and, and you can go down both sides. And they've thought it through. And there's something about the call to a wedding banquet that says, start thinking about capacity, start thinking about scale. Has the, is the way that we're doing things, has it got the potential to represent a wedding banquet to the city of Dunedin? If not, what are we doing? We're mucking around. And it's like, oh, but I'm so humble. I'm just happy to have my little light and just to care for my little group. And the good news of the wedding banquet is, yeah, do that, but then multiply it so that we can have a whole city that's both connected and inspired, that has the intimacy of belonging, but has the excitement of knowing they're part of something bigger. And it's not, it's not an either or, it's a both and, but the devil tricks us into thinking, I'm going to be so humble that I'm just content with this half. 
And, and God is, no, no, be humble enough to, to connect with this half, but actually have a heart for the masses that says we've got to do this side as well, otherwise we're failing. You know, I love this whole thing in Mark chapter 6 where the feeding of the 5,000, where Jesus directed and he got them to sit down in groups of 150s. It's like, I know how to do this. He's like, I, I know how to think about feeding 5,000 men, so maybe 20,000 altogether. You know, if it's husband, wife, and two kids, there's going to be 20,000 people there. It's like, Jesus, like, I got this. I know how to think in terms of ministering to a crowd of 20. You divide them up. And so, yeah, this fifth, and you disciple, you to look after those group of 550s, and this disciple, you feed those group of 500s, and, and we can do this. Jesus thought scale. Jesus thought capacity. Jesus thought we can just scale this up because we want to reach the masses. And see, that, that's really the challenge. Interesting, the whole context of this, um, the whole context they gathered, then because so many people were coming and going. It's like, this is the heart that sees the bigness. You know, and, and it says, Jesus saw a large crowd and he had compassion on them. It's like, we've got to do this, in a, we've got to do this church thing in a way that reaches the mass. Otherwise, we're just playing games, you know, and, and he challenges them. You give them something to eat. You think in terms of how are we going to meet the need here? Because it's like, oh, no, no, send them, send them away. We just want to have our little group of disciples because we like hanging out together. And Jesus challenges them and says, you think about how would you feed 20,000 people? He challenges them. And tonight, Jesus is drawing you to the challenge of how do you feed a city spiritually? And how dare we settle and retrench back to our little comfortable zone? It's like, hey, if you're comfortable with five or six, uh, that's cool. But then partner with someone else that's reaching five or six and someone else with five or six and then someone over that that's looking after 50 and then someone over a number of those who's looking after hundreds and then someone over that that's looking after thousands. And let's acknowledge that Jesus wants to feed the city. You know, and so he asked them how much they've had. In the context, people point back to what was Jesus doing? They go back to this account in Exodus 18 where, again, the nation has come out of slavery and the nation is gathered there and Moses is just not coping with it all. And his father-in-law says, what you're doing is not good. Um, you, you and these people who come will wear yourselves out. So his whole thing, select capable people, appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. He's like, I know how to do capacity. You just divide up into groups. You have the intimacy of connection with the scalability and capacity. Remember the context. This is when a nation has been saved. If you want to think about saving a nation, let alone saving a city, you think in terms of capacity. You think in terms of scalability. You think in terms of outside your comfort zone. It's the same strategy that they use with the army, commanders of thousands, commanders of hundreds. Oh, now let me, let, me, let me challenge a mindset because many of us know the scripture about like the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted and it's like 
oh yeah, like people are just caught up in the big and spectacular, but part of kingdom value is actually to recognize the value and the sacredness of the small. And that's true. There's a humility that's not captivated by the showy and spectacular and acknowledges the, that the kingdom often works through little mustard seeds. But the whole point of the mustard seed is that then it grows and becomes the largest garden and becomes a tree so the birds come and put. You honor that because it can become this. But the devil seduces us and thinks, oh, no, I'm humble because I'm content with the mustard seed. How dare you settle for the mustard seed? The whole point of them, you honor the mustard seed because it has the potential to grow, because it has the potential to be enlarged, because it has the potential for capacity that others could come and rest in. Again, many of us know, who dares despise the day of small things? It's like, yeah, I need, I need to see that there's something sacred in the small thing. But this, um, notice this word, I think the devil's tricked us now that we don't, we don't despise the small things, we despise the big things. Oh, that's all flowing, show and flashy. Oh, they're just trying to build their own empire. No, they're trying, to, they're trying to save a city. No, they're trying to model a wedding banquet for the son of the king. And I believe there's been a subtle um, deception that the devil's brought in New Zealand culture that that because we want to honor this kind of the small, that we end up despising actually the big and the successful and the enlarged. And it's not about big and flashy and building an empire. It's about saving a city. And numbers do are important because they represent lots of people who have been lost and will be found. And so I want to challenge a mindset and a principality that despises talk of enlargement, talk of uh, capacity, talk of scaling up. And I I want you to, uh, in a sense, challenge that reaction in your mind and in your spirit. And I want you to honor the Word of God that says Jesus is interested in gathering in a big harvest. No, we're not. It's not about pride and empire building. It's about gathering in the harvest. You know, it's interesting. This, um, it's interesting. So, uh, we've lived in uh, Auckland the last eighteen months. Before that, we were part of a smallish church in Christchurch, and I think God prepared me for the move to Auckland and Auckland to Coopers because. About six months before he went, I just found myself thinking about, you know, in the Old Testament, the the whole thing with the temple and chronicles and stuff, it's like, that was a big complex operation. And it's in the Bible, and you read it, like they had these rosters, like 24,000 people on on the kind of maintenance team, 4,000 on the hosting team, 4,000 on the music team. Imagine organizing that. 4,000 people on your music roster. 4,000 people on your hosting roster. And then you read this chapter after chapter about then their job descriptions. This is the duties of them. You know, they're in charge of these rooms and cleaning the sacred things and other duties and putting the bread out and the special flour. This is in our Bible. Like chapter after chapter about rosters and jobs, and duties. 
you know, and they had to stand every morning and they had to do all the stuff and the Levites had to carry out their responsibilities. Um, and then there's a whole chapters of these rosters that were in each tribe or family in different months, goes through over two, over 24 months. They're all, it's like, man, there's all of that. And then here's the crunch part. And then when they dedicate the temple, the glory of the Lord fills it. See, again, we have bought into a thing that spiritual is simple and small and organic. The thing that God, God can do big and complex because he's written to reaching a city. And we need to challenge this idea that spiritual is small and organic and, and, and simple. And, oh, when it gets big, oh, that's just corporate and organized and there's no room for God. Like, how dare you? It's in the Bible, big, complex, rosters, organization, and the glory of God touches it because it's about reaching a city and reaching a nation. You know, again, Revelation, end of Revelation, this new heaven and new earth, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. Now I've got a really high-tech graphic here. Do you like that? That's if it was to scale. That's what the new Jerusalem would look like. It would be... 2,200 kilometers wide. That means if there's a motorway right across the city and you drive 100k, it would take you 22 hours to drive across the city. For a lot of Kiwis, for a lot of you, that's more a picture of hell than heaven. (laughs) Isn't it? Seriously. That's the picture of heaven, a flipping big city with a whole lot of people. A lot of us, that's like, ah, let me out of there. You probably want to go to hell because that's the place that you're alone. Heaven is a big, complex, busy place with a whole lot of people. You know, for me, again, going from a, I've always said, oh, I like working in small relational teams. Don't I sound so humble and spiritual? Actually, I found going to Auckland Equippers the biggest challenge to my sanctification in my whole life. Because I, I, I suddenly realized being part, oh, yeah, I like being part of a small, flat, relational team. That just means I get to hang out with people that I like who agree with me, and I get to do things my way. When it, this is what I found, that in a big church, there's death, death to self and comfort, like, uh, I don't like being around all I don't like all this complex. I don't like all the noise. You know, suddenly I have to work on cooperation and unity with people. We have to show grace towards each other. I have to show flexibility. I have to show a commitment to this thing. Parking is a hassle. The music's too loud. They have to pack it in. It's all, and then there's vision nights and staff meetings, and, and I have to go to a small group as well. And suddenly this is... A, this is a challenge to me to grow up inside and stop rationalizing my comfort zone. You know, that, that, and it comes around vision-based. Why do we do that? Because we've got a vision to reach the city. And, and um, you know, Pastor Sam Monk often says we're going to reach the city or we're going to close our doors, but we're not going to do anything in between. You know, and it's mission-based. Our unity and our involvement is around the impact and the scale of what we do. I have, ne- I have found having to think in terms of an enlarged vision has called me to die to myself in a way that being part of a small, cozy church never did. But we often think 
No, small is spiritual and big, oh, that's just corporate and professional and shallow. No, small can be really just fleshly and just doing what I want to do. And big and enlargement often calls for a death to self and a bigness of vision and a commitment to the mission way beyond staying. Now, the good thing is it's a both and eh? Do your small, your table at the wedding banquet, but be part of something bigger that joins up the table. You know, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. I've talked about this at the conference. The key thing, one of the challenges I believe God's giving our movement is scalability, is that thing like, yeah, it's great that you've got this, but is, is the way we're doing it, does it have the potential to reach the city? Well, if not, why are we doing it? You know, does your ministry have scalability? Does your ministry have connection to a scalability to reach the city, the province, the nation? If not, how dare you kind of, can you see the selfishness that goes, oh no, I just want to hang out with my little group of six people because I feel comfortable there while a city goes to hell. No, our commitment to enlargement is because God is calling a wedding banquet for his son, and he's inviting everybody in. He's thrown out a net for a great catch of fish. He's raising up a city on a hill that's going to shine out with an impact and an influence way beyond what we've recognized. The marks of the kingdom as a party, positivity, capacity, creativity. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this as public as a city on a hill. Can I get the musicians to come up the front? Can I ask you to stand? Hopefully that messed with your head a bit. But here's the thing that I hope for even more than that. I hope you felt something inside of you reacting and despising me a bit and what I was saying. And I hope you have the ability to step back from that and go, I am not going to partner with that spirit. And actually I'm going to honor the word of God Can, uh, can we just? Can you just play the keyboard thing? Can I just encourage? Because uh, yeah, I'm a real muso, as you can tell. <laughs> can I encourage you to uh, just to begin to connect with God? See how the practicalities of enlargement. Um, they'll come. Strategies will come. And Pastor William Desiree, I'll just flip an awesome. Again, I, I just—I don't know. I just feel like this weekend, God just got the love of God for this couple. I feel it now. I just cry. The great, you know, the gift that they are—they—they'll come. They'll have the strategies. But the t- the change in the mindset. Hey, it's great that you love hanging out. Be committed to connecting around the table at the wedding banquet. Make the people sitting at that table have the best experience ever. But then partner with something big that's going to inspire them. 
change the mindset. We're called to be a city on a hill. We're hosting the wedding banquet for the son of the king. Wow. He just wants everyone along. But there's another level of spiritual warfare with this around a New Zealand and a Dunedin power that would despise bigness and capacity. And I, and this, and I just want you to, I just want some of you to kind of go, I'm, I see through that. This is not about empire building and hype. This is about a heart to reach a city. And Jesus' word says we're called to this. And, and I'm not going to rationalize smallness as being humble and spiritual. I got that. We got that nailed. Now let's be humble enough to be servants of a citywide vision. And here's what I want to do. And, and in a sense, this is an appeal that everyone could respond to. But So I, you can respond in your seat. But I, I just, for some of you, um, I, I, I just... I just feel like God told me this is what I need to do. I want to invite you, in a sense, to come and respond. And in a sense, um, I'll cry with this too. In a sense that you are, and again, I know this is like everyone, in a sense, you're kind of pledging, kind of, a, I don't know, allegiance to build the house to reach a city. Man, I'm much more comfortable just meeting with my small little group, not having to come to vision nights and staff meetings, not thinking of multiple services. Who wants to do that? Yeah, but we're called to host a banquet for the city. Um, you got, I just feel like, like this is your moment. I don't know what that means. Just to step into an up to another level. I don't even know what that means. I just felt that where you got, this is your moment. You know, and thinking and going next year, just we're going, we're going public with it. We're going bigger with it. You know, we're part of this thing. So um, again, as as these guys play, if you if you kind of catch this, and I don't know, did anyone catch the battle inside, the reaction? <laughs> I did. I react myself. But there's a significant spiritual breakthrough there. I don't know, I just felt all yesterday almost just this love and this tearfulness around being here today. And it's like, yeah, we just, um, we're going to build a house for His glory. We're going to build a city on a hill. We're going to host a wedding banquet for the Son of the King. So because of that, we've got to be thinking of enlargement.